Greetings to each one of you in the name of Christ. It's good to be back with you. We missed last Sunday, and um, this morning we were on our way to church, and just thinking of having our fellowship meal today. A month ago, we had a, a fellowship meal on the second Sunday of December, and my daughter informed us that we have only been to church uh, one Sunday morning since the last fellowship meal. So um, it's, it's really good to be back with you. We were at Millmonta one Sunday and in Ohio last Sunday. But we did have a, a good trip, but there's no place like home. Good to see visitors here this morning and um, just going to pick on you from Millmont sitting back there. It's good to have you here and trust that you'll have a good um, good week together on the, the trip. This morning I uh, was kind of thinking one direction for a message and um, just didn't I didn't really, um, I did some reading over a passage and just uh, wasn't inspired to continue that way. Um, I'm going to attribute a little bit of my message here this morning to Brother Louis. Um, often at the beginning of the year, he encourages a message on personal devotions. And I don't know how it is for you, maybe... Coming towards the beginning of the year, you assess, where do I want to go in my devotions this year? Or how do I want to start the year in my devotions? Or how can I improve in my devotional life? And that is a question to me. How can I improve? I uh, come sharing a message. I've entitled it Personal Devotions, just a simple title. And... I don't come to you this morning as one who has um, really excelled in this area. I feel it's an area that I, I just need to continue working on, being more uh, faithful in in applying myself to 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 really um, gleaning from the scriptures and really connecting with God in prayer and meditating. In my preparations, I read a chapter in the book, Disciplined Living for Young Men. It's uh, written by Harold Martin. Maybe some of you have that book. Um, he has a, a chapter titled something like Discipline in the Realm of Personal Devotions. I think it's something like that. And I will probably be sharing a little bit that's been influenced from that, that chapter here. But one thing he says in there is that the number one reason for backsliding among believers is failure to maintain the habit of regular daily devotions. I think he's probably right on that. Failure to maintain the habit of regular daily devotions. The number one reason among believers, number one reason for backsliding among believers So I mentioned that we took a trip the other week. And when we started that trip, 
I think it was the day before that trip, my wife, a day or so before, she filled the van up with gas. Now, we didn't, at least, say, before getting on 80, we didn't want to uh, get onto the highway and have a tank that was almost empty. Okay, you men traveling this afternoon, you're probably hoping that the person who's uh, providing the transportation has a tank full of gas because you have a distance to travel. And if you're starting on E and you um, don't have opportunity for, for more gas for a while, you're probably going to get stranded somewhere. John chapter 15, I want to invite you there for an opening passage, and I'm going to be moving around quite a bit this morning in the Bible. John 15, the first 11 verses, we have the parable of the vine. And I think we all understand a little bit about plants. Um, we, we drove past uh, the Shade Mountain Winery this morning, and there, there are the grapevines out there. And um, I do have some interest in, in that kind of thing, in grapevines. Um, have not done very well with what I have had of those. But um, we know that there needs to be nutrients to the vines. Let's read here, John 15, 1. I am the, the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So, a little bit that we know, and we could spend probably a lot of time in this passage this morning, but a little bit that we know about plants is that they need to get nutrients. And you think of a vine. Jesus says that he is the true vine. And we are branches coming off of Jesus, the true vine. 
Now the main vine carries nutrients, but the branches also need nutrients if they're going to bear leaves and then if they're going to bear fruit. We are called to be fruit-bearing people. And just as the, the farmer wants his vine to bear fruit, if it doesn't bear fruit, he, he cuts it off. He gets rid of it. He wants healthy vines. And a vine, you know, whether it, you know, it may not be healthy, may not bear fruit if it doesn't receive proper nutrients. But we as God's people, under the, the comparison of the vine and the branches here, we choose whether we will be fed. That is our choice. If we will be fed from his word and in relationship with him. And then, of course, the results will follow. If we are fed from him, we will be fruit-bearing people. My mind goes, as we think of fruit-bearing people, my mind goes to the fruit of the Spirit. And there was, um, we know those verses well in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Are we receiving the nutrients that we need in our Christian life so that these fruits are flowing out of our lives? There was a phrase in verse 11 here of John 15 that caught my attention here. First of all, it starts out, These things have I spoken unto you. These things about um, being in relationship with the Father and receiving from the Father. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. It is God's desire it is, our, it is Christ's desire that we be filled with joy. Not just a little bit. It says, your joy might be full. Joy, a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Are we experiencing joy as we're living in Christ? Living in connection, in relationship with him. Again, we must be connected in order to bear fruit. Another passage here um, that just, just speaking of the importance of, of being in the word, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, just two verses there, 16 and 17. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Are we truly furnished, completely furnished? Are we prepared to face life? We need that filling of God, that connection with God, if we would be filled and prepared to face life. A couple examples that we have in the word of men who met with God. We have the example of Isaac, who 
he went out to meditate in the field in the evening. I would like to think that that was a regular practice of Isaac's. I don't know that it was just coincidence that he was out in that field when um, Eliezer brought Rebecca, um, yeah, Rebecca, to, um, to be Isaac's wife. But he went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Jacob, we have the account of Jacob fleeing his angry brother Esau, heading for, I believe it was Haran. He stopped, he slept that night, and had a dream about the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder. He woke up and he worshipped God and he made vows to God. That was a, a connection, um, a, a, an intimate connection between God and Jacob. And then again, later in Genesis, God called Jacob back to this place, back to Bethel, as Jacob had named it. Bethel means the house of God. Called him back there to build an altar. And it was there that, I guess, uh, in wrestling with the angel before, his name had been changed. But God confirmed his change in name to, to Israel. Promised him to be the father of many nations and kings. And God would call each one of us back to Bethel. Back to his house to come and regularly commune with him. Moses in Exodus chapter 34, he was going to Sinai. He had the second tables of stone. The first set had been broken. And God called him up the mountain again to again um, inscribe on those tables of stone the Ten Commandments. He's going up to Sinai in the morning and the Lord met him there. I believe that was a regular practice, not going up Sinai, but meeting with God that Moses had. We could think of others too, of Job, of David. Another important one is Jesus himself. In, in Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus, it's... Uh, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And you know, if Jesus needed that connection, we too ought to take that example and keep that connection open with God daily. I don't know how many aspects you think of that you would have in your devotional time. I think there's three that we can, we can come up with pretty quickly that um, probably should be a regular part of every devotional time. And the first one I have down is reading the Word. I trust we place a high value on the Word of God. I'd like to read a few verses from Psalm 19. That, that speak to how valuable the Word of God is and how, how important it is to us. Psalm chapter 19, 
beginning in verse 7. And here it's using different words. It's not actually saying the word of God necessarily. The first one there is the law of the Lord. It says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. We'll stop there. There's six expressions, and I'm just going to go down through these quickly um, for the sake of time here. But that, that it gives on the value of the word of God. First of all, it says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect to the conversion of the soul. And that uh, is that conversion from the old life to the new, as well as a continued cleansing and sanctification in our, our lives. The second one, it says that it is sure, making wise the simple. It is sure, faithful and unchanging, and it brings wisdom. The word of God, the third one, is right, rejoicing the heart. And truly rejoicing does come through following God in his ways. Much the opposite, pain and heartache comes from following our own ways. The next one says that the word of God is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is holy. It is spotless, the word of God, and clean. Uh, the next one, clean. The word of God is clean, enduring forever. You know, the word of God is pertinent to all generations. What other book? has lasted for as many years as the word of God. The sixth one there is that the word of God is true and righteous altogether. You know, we don't have to sit down to our devotions in the morning and read from the word of God and try to figure out, is this accurate or not? I don't know how you read other books, but most other books... Um, we need to be considering, uh, weighing the accuracy of the books, um, some more so than others. But that's not the case with the Word of God. We can sit down, we can drink in, and, and yeah, we need to be discerning of, of what it means. It's sometimes um, looking into how it means, but we know that what is written in the Word of God is true and does not need to be questioned. So that gives us some of the value of the word of God there. But what I think helps me to grasp hold of this a little bit is verse 10. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That about gold there sticks out to me. Um, many people value gold. value it very highly. And 
I had to think of how, as men, many of us get up early in the morning. We go to work, go to earn a living, and we earn a living that it, it perishes. In time, it will perish. But are we willing to get up early or to put forth the effort, whatever time of day that we would spend with the Lord? Are we willing to get up and put forth as much effort for a treasure that will never perish, that treasure from God's word? If we're going to have a meaningful time with God, we need to understand the value and importance of his word for our lives. The next part of, of a devotional life that I would like to look at uh, briefly here is that of meditation, meditating on God's word. And I, I will confess that this is an area that I um, do not do well in. First Timothy 4, I'd like to read a couple verses from there. First Timothy 4. 13 through 15. It says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Meditate. Meditate upon these things. That word meditate means to revolve around in the mind, or to revolve. So meditate upon these things. Revolve these things in your mind. I had to think of the, the earth revolving around the sun, and it just continues revolving revolving and again and again just continues in that motion is that what we're doing with the word of God we're revolving it in our mind and I realize that there are other things that um, that do need to come into our minds I was um, just reading in a little book here booklet pamphlet abide in me it's called it's put out by clp but the author is saying that when he became a christian he was given a bible and his father said to him he said don't just read it think about it and then the writer here says reading the bible is not enough you need to meditate on what it says embrace each word and soak it in like a sponge Immerse yourself in the Bible and let it change you. I would like to, maybe I'll share a little more on uh, some of this later, uh, but I, 
um, just in, in preparation for the message here and, and just thinking about meditation. It's something that I want to intentionally put into my devotional life in my time with God as I sit there um, thinking about his word. But it's also something that we should do throughout the day as well. It can be a, a mind or memory exercise, I guess you could say, where we call to mind what we have gleaned in our devotional time or maybe something that God has shown us during prayer. Or maybe we need to use note cards just to write something down that we can, can take a look at throughout the day. We can consider what we've read and how it applies to our lives. The third part of a devotional life I would like to look at is prayer. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4 calls us to prayer. And, and it's really an, an invitation here. A couple years ago, we had revival meetings at Millmont, and um, the one evening, Brother Lamar, I think it was in a testimony, Brother Lamar High, just shared about, about getting the picture of God that when we come to him in prayer, that he kind of leans forward, and he just really wants to hear what we have to say. And I, I like that picture, that God isn't just turning one ear, catching what he does of what we have to say. But here is an invitation, that, that's a special invitation, to just uh, really come intimately to God. Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Christ, our high priest, was here on this earth, and he understands what we are faced with as mankind. And the invitation, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Because Christ is there, understanding, and he wants to hear. He wants to intercede on our behalf. Philippians 4.6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Requests are personal needs. Let them be made known to God. You know, God knows our needs already, but he wants to hear them again. He wants to hear them from our mouths. It shows a humility. It shows a sense of need of God. And I've recently been 
encouraged by the example of Paul in prayer. And we could go to different passages, but I'll just read the one in Colossians 1.3 here. It says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Paul's speaking to the Colossian church. He says, praying always for you. That's a challenge to me. I hope it is to you too. About praying for each other. And to to be faithful in doing that. Um, One thing that has helped me is to have a prayer list. To have... Um, the church and family and other friends on a prayer list. Um, I have one, and there was one that was um, given out here um, a year or so ago, just with all the church people on it. And it's on a, a daily, um, daily divisions where we can pray for this group one day, this group another day. And so I would encourage you to do that. Um, and not just to, to um, just a simple bless this person, bless that person, but take time to think about what these people are going through. And, and I consider our church right now, and I think of the brethren that were listed in the bulletin this morning as going on the... Um, the trip on the project. Let's keep them in prayer this week. And also their families that are going to be at home. Their families are making a sacrifice. It's not the same when dad's not home. So let's um, remember to be faithful in that. I also think of Brother Delmar and just what he's faced with and the doctors there with... um, trying to discern what's going on with his eyesight and just just the emotions that Delmar faces and their family as well. I think of, of Christy in her recovery from her surgery. Brother Dwayne out at Pure Life Ministries and as he comes home, we have so much to pray for among ourselves. And maybe just as we share among ourselves and understand the needs of each other, let's lift those needs up to the Father. One other thing that I know it's in the Word of God, but um, but it's not been much of a part of my prayer life. We find in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What about you? Do you take time to pray for the authorities, the leaders of our country, You know, I, I'm, this can go different ways, but just um, 
I'm, I'm blessed as I think of how the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and that God moves among the leaders of our world. And, you know, I believe with that in mind, we ought to be in prayer for them and that God would do his work through them. And we may not agree with um, many things or most things, uh, a lot of things that are happening among our leaders, but it is our duty, our responsibility to keep them in prayer. Just a couple things that um, our time with God does for us. Now, one thing is it gives us strength. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Another thing we find in Psalm chapter 3 is that it draws us in trust to God. Psalm 3, a uh, psalm of David here, when he fled from Absalom his son, is what the title of my Bible says. But um, David is coming in this psalm here in, in fear and unrest. He says here, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. We get a little bit of the feeling there. David is in a turmoil. Now there's a word at the end of verse 3, the word selah. And my understanding is that that was a word um, not necessarily intended to be read out loud, but can be, that's fine. But that word signifies a, like in music, a, a suspension or a pause. And I think of David just, he, he poured out his fears to God, his turmoil, and then he stops. It just takes a little time for meditation. And he comes back then in verse 3. But thou, Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy, heel, out of his holy hill. Then he takes another pause there. He's, he's recognized who God is during that time. And, and he's lifting up his name and trusting in him. Then the next verse, he says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. And we'll stop reading there. But um, just coming to God, connecting with God, shows us more of who God is and helps us to build our faith in him. A couple hindrances to devotional time. I was debating a little bit about this, and I think we're going to do it. But um, in a few minutes here, I'm going to open it up to you as a congregation. If you have things that you have found to be meaningful, um, extra meaningful in your devotional life, I'm going to give you opportunity to share those. Because I think we could all benefit from hearing from each other. But I do want to think of a few hindrances to our devotional time. You know, Satan doesn't want us to have this vital connection with God. What did I say there from 
from uh, Brother Harold Martin first there, the number one reason for backsliding among believers is failure to maintain the habit of regular daily devotions. Okay, do we understand why Satan wants to fight against this? He wants us to come away from God. And if he can sever that time with God, he's been pretty effective in getting a start there. Being tired can be a hindrance. Staying up too late, maybe it's, um, maybe it's necessary to stay up late for something. Or maybe we just haven't put forth the effort. Another hindrance is seeing the devotional time as an end in itself. Get done with your devotions and you feel, I've done what I needed to do here and now I can get on with my day. Um, or or do, we, do we leave that devotional time and um, think back to how, how beautiful it was? Undervaluing the word of God is a hindrance. A wandering mind there's many other things to think about. Shooting out to the next part of the day or uh, whatever it may be. A lack of self-discipline and just getting it done. Disinterest could go along with undervaluing the word. Busy schedule, feeling like we don't have time for it. Or sin within our hearts. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I believe that a yielded life, yielded life is of utmost importance to a meaningful time with God. So I'm going to open it up for a few minutes. Do you have something to share that's been meaningful to you in your devotional life?